Thanks, Mindy. I just love how worship and just taking time for song um, centers us back on God, um, reminds us who he is, who we are, and that we're not alone. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Carter and Preston and Gary and Mindy. Such a great collaboration tonight. Um, the amazingness continues. Uh, I get the privilege and the honor to introduce our speaker for tonight. Um, uh, Dawn is a dear, dear friend of mine. We met, uh, I think it's been about three years ago. It was around 2017. Uh, I met Dawn uh, at a small group uh, that was led by one of our uh, mutual friends, Lance Westbrook. And uh, man, I was just immediately drawn to Don's warmth, his smile. Uh, he's just full of life. And he carries this light inside of him that just, it feels like a big hug every time you see him. And uh, after getting to know him and hearing more of his story, um, I realized that his, his grace, his faith, his humility, his wisdom uh, were forged during some challenging times um, and just added so much depth to who he is and what he has to share. So I'm really, really excited and grateful that you all get to hear from him as well. Um, not only is Don my friend, uh, he's also one of the members of our table launch team. So he's been with us since the beginning. And even before that, when we were a part of New Hope Lucas, uh, he's a small group meetup leader at the table as well. He's an amazing dad, a new dog owner, and just a wonderful human being. Um, so it's, you know, usually I would say, you know, let's, let's welcome Don with some applause, but I can't do that right now. So in lieu of applause, if you guys can like hit the love button or the thumbs up button, just to show them some love right now. And we'll give you some, you know, virtual applause, Don. But uh, we're just really, really glad that you're going to be speaking to us tonight. So take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. That is a lot actually to live up to. <laughs> but I appreciate that so very much. Um, so hi, um, I am thrilled and excited to be able to come and talk to you guys in this manner. Um, this was one of those things that it's a little surreal in some ways, um, and I am just super excited just to be able just to kind of share um, something that's just, it's just important to me. Um, our faith is just what grounds us, it keeps us together. Um, it encourages us, it gives us um, hope. Um, and it's a sense of peace and comfort. And I just, I love talking about, um, you know, our faith in general. And so um, I, I love being able to just do that in this format. And so, um, so thank you for this opportunity and everything. Um, so I want to kind of go back a little bit. Um, so some of you guys have heard a little bit of my story. I, I kind of gave a little bit of my personal testimony um, a few months ago at the table when we were still meeting face-to-face uh, -face and everything. But um, I want to kind of dive a little bit into that um, deeper. Um, so one of, the, one of the things I kind of talked about then is that I grew up very churched um, in my life. I am one of those people that I've always been in church. 
I, I don't know life outside of the church um, very much. Um, I have my my grandfather's a preacher. Um, we were at church every single Sunday, every single Sunday evening, Wednesday nights. Um, if those of you who were ever part of something called Awanas, um, I was a part of that program uh, growing up as a kid. Um, I went to church camps, um, and then I, I became a Christian. Um, and I say that because if you were like me, I said that that Lord's Prayer a hundred times as a kid because <laughs> I wanted it to stick. <laughs> um, so I probably, so I would say that I, the last time I said that the Lord's Prayer to accept Jesus into my heart um, was when I was 16 years old. And then I was just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done saying that. Um, and when I and that was interesting. It's been one of those things where um, even when I was 16 years old, um, I was um, just living in a place where I I would go to church camp, and I don't know if you guys ever experienced, but you go to these amazing things, and you have these gigantic, huge. Um, mountaintop experiences with God and you come back to the normal world and things are just not the same. Um, and so I wanted something and I would kind of go back and forth. I would go, go spend a tremendous amount of time with this very intense um, Christian event and I would come back to normal life and things just wouldn't stick the same. Um, so when I was um, graduated high school, I decided to go to a Bible college. And before you sit there and say, whoa, and, and be super impressed by that, um, <laughs> I, I went to a Bible college primarily because I did, was not trying to be a pastor. It's not my calling. Um, but I wanted to just really learn and understand and deepen my relationship with God because, again, I, I wanted it to stick. It was one of those things I didn't want to do this whole waffling thing in my life and, and stuff. And so... Um, it, it's interesting because here I'm 40 something years old. That's something I, I made a decision about 20 years ago. And, um, you know, I, there's a certain level of maturity that comes with being 40 and looking back to when I was, you know, a teenager um, and thinking about my relationship with God. And it's something that it moves and breathes. Um, that's something that I didn't know at the time. Um, like any other real relationship in your life, it moves and changes and breathes when um, just as you mature and grow up and get older and situation changes and circumstances changes. So, um, so yeah, uh, so I, I wanted to share that with you so that you understand a little bit of where I'm coming from in terms of being able to speak a little bit um, because my, it just kind of like Karen kind of talked about, my journey has kind of taken me some very interesting places and the constant thing through that, at least I hope the constant thing through that is um, my relationship with God. Um, and I don't say that to sound churchy. I know that we're in church, but I, I, I say that as a very sincere thing, because there's times where I have a lot of doubts. I, I, I'd pick up scripture and I would read it and I'd get mad or angry because of not initially what the Bible was saying, but just how it was being used. Um, I've had some very challenging conversations with people in my life. I've had some very challenging situations in my own heart, um, trying to measure up to certain things. So, um, and I want to kind of get into our study a little bit tonight. 
So we are in the study of Luke. Um, we are picking, we're, we're going back into that, uh, or, we, or that's where we are, that's where we're at, where Brett has kind of left us into. And, um, you know, when Brett kind of said, hey, um, would you like to, you know, speak in front of the church? I was like, um, sure. <laughs> um, and so I, he gave me a lot of room to kind of go um, and to look at the study of Luke. And I'm sorry, I'm going through just reading certain sections throughout looking, looking at what, who Jesus was and is and, and everything. And I was going through all the different stories. And there was one story that just really um, connected with me. I kept coming back to it over and over and over again. I kept reading it over and over again. Um, it's probably something that's very familiar with you all. I would assume that it probably is, um, but we're going to take take a little bit of uh, time and take a look at this particular story. Um, it's found in uh, it's Luke from Luke chapter seven. Um, it's verse thirty six. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you sure can. And of course, the everything's on the screen, so we'll kind of go through this. Okay. All right. So one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat with a certain unmoral woman from a seed he um, uh, heard he was uh, eating there. So she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears filled his, uh, fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting the perfume on them. When the Pharisees who uh, invited him saw this, she, he said to himself, this, if this man were a prophet, he would know that uh, what kind of woman he is, is touching him. She's a sinner. Oh, heavens, he's a sinner. <clears throat> Aren't we all sinners? Yeah, oh, well. Uh, the Jesus answered uh, his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Uh, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 5,000 pieces of silver one to one and 50 pieces to another. But neither of them could repay, for he kindly forgave uh, them both in canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Jesus and uh, Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me, offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. But she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with a rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and though there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. And he said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table started uh, uh, talking among themselves. Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you and go in peace. Um, I kept going back to this um, story over and over again because um, 
in many, many ways, there, you know, the, again, those of you who are somewhat familiar with my story, um, I feel like in many ways I was very much like this woman. I was a sinner. I was the, I was seen as a person from, because as the story looks at, looks at this, this is a Pharisee. This is a, um, a Jewish leader. This is a church leader of the time person who has a lot of prestige, has been very educated, knows a lot of things about scripture at the time, um, very well connected, um, probably nowadays has a huge following on social media if it was uh, nowadays, um, and very influential, maybe has a mega church if it was uh, around today. But according to this Pharisee, this person is a sinner, horrible person, um, probably one of the worst people that you could probably imagine. And, and I'm trying not to say anything specific <clears throat> because honestly, all of this can fit into this category, quite frankly. Um, at some point in another in our lives, we could all fit into this category of being that sinner. For me specifically, I my biggest thing that I was trying my best to hide was the fact that I was gay. Um, it was probably the biggest sin that I, I was, wanted to hide. And I didn't want to share, I didn't want to share it with anybody. Um, one of the things I did a lot when I was growing up is that I, I wrote in a lot of journals. Um, I, have, I have journals of, from college, from um, early, early on in my life. I've got prayers in here. I've got um, things I've studied through scripture written out in, in, in these journals. I've got even just sometimes where I've just had a really bad day. And I just go in through and I just needed to get it off my chest. Um, but I have like, a, I've got a ton of these journals from, from way back when. And when I go back and read some of this stuff, even to myself, I wouldn't even say the word gay. I wouldn't even say the word same-sex attracted. I always said the word my struggle. Um, that's always what was written in my journal because I was deathly afraid that if somebody found my journal, they would pull it out and they would use it in some negative way against me. And they would make up all of these random things about my life that weren't true. Um, and, I, and I felt like I had to keep it a secret all the time. Um, something I had written not too long ago, um, probably a few, a few years ago, um, late 30s and everything like that, um, I just, I was trying to kind of come up with this whole entire idea of my identity because I know I'm a Christian. Um, I can't, can't separate that. I can't just wake up one day and be like, mm, you know, I'm kind of done with the Bible, <laughs> done with church. I don't want anything to do with that. That's not my life. Um, that's just not, it has never been part of my life. Uh, that It's very much ingrained in who, who I am as a person and how I live my life. So, um, but so I started writing this one journal entry about my identity because one of the things that people kept telling me that were really close to me at the time was that my sexuality doesn't define me, uh, but my relationship, my identity comes from Christ. It's something that, they, that was being said to me over and over and over again. And so I just, I, I again, I just needed to write certain things down. So one of the things I, I kind of want to read parts and pieces of this um, journal entry that I did, but one of the things I started off with is that, yes, my identity is in Christ and why my relationship with God is very important. Um, something else I talked about in my identity, the same thing, is that I'm also Native American. 
I'm not a white person. Um, and I have felt levels of discrimination. I have felt and experienced um, fear from other people and different things because of just the color of my skin. Um, I get around it because I'm a little bit because um, I'm very educated and I can sound very, I have a certain level of privilege because of that. But um, so I don't go at all to the same thing that an one of some of my African American family goes through. But um, but I but I do have experienced that. I know exactly what that means and what that feels like. And I've never been scared about my Christian identity and being being Christian. I've never been scared about me being a Native American, ever. But I have been scared about my about being gay. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk to. I want to read this part of my journal entry. Um, <clears throat> So uh, just like the color of my skin is different from many people around me, so is my sexuality. I've been attracted to the same sex. Um, however, my sexual desires don't define me as a person. They just help me understand why I just happen to feel the same way I do about the same sex. Uh, I am much more than what my sexuality is. Um, I used to believe that because I experienced these attractions, you know, it's sinful. Um, it's a part of me that I that I have not given over to the Lord, and so therefore I must be living in the flesh. So I soon began to measure my own spiritual growth just based off my same-sex attraction. So if I happened to notice a guy that week, or was attracted to somebody in a movie or magazine or somewhere in public or out in church or at work, um, then somehow I was not living my life according to God's plan for me. Um, and even when I was dating girls, so I still felt like I was not good enough. I just was not hitting that bar of what was expected of me um, in my walk with God. So I would experience a lot of shame and guilt in my spiritual growth uh, because I just could never get rid of these attractions. And I would just go through periods of depression, anxiety, I would distance myself from other people. Um, Contemplating suicide was, was is a part of my background. Alcohol is a part of my background. Um, just other seeking pleasure, seeking behaviors, just to numb the pain and the disconnect that I was feeling around other people. Um, you know, a behavior and orientation um, counseling was introduced to me, and that would just make things sometimes worse um, because um, it would just it gave me the tools of what I needed to say. Um, so I could convince the other people around me that I was changing when in fact I wasn't. Um, and so I would say things like, I wasn't born like this, and that homosexuality is a choice. Um, and so people were, con were being convinced that I was being free from my homosexuality when I was just kind of mimicking and parenting what I was supposed to say in front of other people. But... Um, it was one of those things where I had to, um, I, I had to keep still keep it a secret. Um, there were times where I would share this with other people, what was going on in my life, and terrible, horrible things would happen um, in person, just personal things, like um, family members no longer wanted to be around children, and I was accused of some horrible things 
um, in relationship to other and children or um, uh, just lying and all these horrible things that I just that, that just were not true. Um, and I heard so many times where Christians would talk about how you know, homosexuals were dirty and disgusting. Um, they would start name calling. And all the while I'm in the room, they don't really know what's going on with me. Um, I would hear about gay people being beaten up in the news. Um, I would hear people talk about how gay people need to be rounded up and shot and killed. Um, and there's been times I've had, have experienced physical attacks because of my perceived queerness. Um, and so I, I never wanted to be open enough. I never wanted to be honest with anybody and talk openly about this situation with anyone. Um, so I was more afraid about my, uh, more afraid about my same sex attractions than I was about me being, being, be, me being Native American. And even though I've heard that Christians go through persecution, the same level of persecution I experienced as a Christian is not at all the same that I did or have experienced being gay. And so um, I have to, I, at the time when I wrote this, I, I wrote that I have to lie to other people. I have to be willing to hide this from other people. No one can know the truth about me and I must keep this a secret, convince them that I'm straight. And that's something, again, I wrote that in my late thirties, just a few years ago. Um, and <laughs> it, it's crazy. And I go back to the story, story about this, about the, the, the sinful woman, you know, she, her sins were very apparent, apparent to, to the whole entire community, um, and everything. And Jesus didn't care. Jesus did not care. The only people that mattered to that mattered was to the Pharisees, to the other people maybe in her life, um, to the people that she did like was just around her. It didn't matter. <clears throat> it didn't matter. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with the, a children's book, <clears throat> but um, Max Licato wrote a children's book several years ago. It's called um, You Are Special. I love this story. Um, I won't go through the whole entire story or anything like that, but I'll, I'll kind of go through the highlights of what this story is about. Um, but it reminds me uh, of this, the same thing with the sinful woman and moral woman, as it were. But it's about this char character name. Um, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it wrong. So I do bear with me for those of you who are super familiar with the story. <laughs> but, um, Pinocchio. It sounds like Pinocchio, but it's not exactly that. But he, the way that this whole entire works is that these are little puppets that walk around uh, society and they go around and they do these things where they, they, if they like what you do, they will give you a star. And if they don't like what you do, they will go turn around and give you a black dot. <laughs> and so they walk around just giving people and giving giving people like if you do something amazing or if they like the way that you look or you tell a funny joke or there's a talent that you, they like, they approve of, they give you a star. And if there's something that they don't like, they'll just give you a dot. And so they walk around doing this to people where they just, you know, give them stars or give them dots. Give them stars or give them dots. But for some reason, this kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, social media. <laughs> stars, 
thoughts <clears throat> of just sometimes we could do that to each other. Of we label each other very quickly with some of the things that we do. Um, so with this particular main character, he he could never seem to get a star for anything to save his life. <clears throat> it just he just couldn't do it. It, it was, it was he tr he would try to try to do something, he would fail. People would give him dots. He had no stars on his body at all. And of course, as you can imagine, have, you know, not having anything on, on, on you like that, that were other people were validating you, he just walked around with a lot of depression, as you can imagine. So um, eventually re he meets this uh, person that has nothing on them. No stars, no dots of any kind. And the way that the story goes is that even people would see that and they would try to put a star on her, it would fall off. They tried putting a dot on her, it would fall off. So nothing would stick to her. And the main character is like, how, how, what, what are you doing? How is this, how, how is that possible? And she's like, well, I've been, I've been meeting with um, our maker. His name is Eli. He's up at the woodshed, you know, wood carving place. Do you want to go? go talk to him and he's like absolutely so he, go, he goes and he starts spending time and he you know of course the story is about spending time with god um it's, it's a mirror of that but you you go into this of he spends time talking to the um to the creator as it were and it's amazing i love what he says um to the main character because the title of the story is that, remember, you are special. So he says, remember, uh, you are special because I made you. And I don't make mistakes. Um, <laughs> I so needed to hear something like that. Somebody tell me that um, many years ago, that um, I'm not a mistake. <laughs> I. Um, and I share this with you because I don't want you to ever walk around thinking that you're a mistake. It doesn't matter what I might think of you, what the person beside you might think of you, people at work, people, even family members. I know that's kind of hard to kind of wrap our minds around, but sometimes family members, sometimes our leaders, whether it's a boss or it's a coworker, or whether it's something, teachers or whatever it is that's in your life, like this Pharisee, these are religious leaders that they're sinners just like we are. Their opinion of us doesn't define us. Our relationship with God does. Um, so I want to leave you with a couple of questions. <clears throat> um, just to kind of ponder and to think about um, as you are moving on and going on into this week. Uh, so the first question I want, want to, you to think of is, um, what is God doing in your life? Um, when I first uh, came out, and Karen kind of mentioned this, I met up with uh, Lance Westbrook, and one of his questions he constantly was, um, when we would get together, is he would talk about, you know, how is God working in your life right now? Even in situations where things are difficult and things are hard and we have hard weeks or we have challenging situations, whether it's with family or with work or finances or whatever it is with you, um, what is God doing in your life? Where are you? Um, what is he using to speak into you? Um, 
And you're the person that can answer that. <laughs> um, the other question is that how are you responding to God's leading in your life? Um, for me personally, and I, like I've already mentioned, journaling for me is super important uh, to me. It helps me focus. Um, I can get very overwhelmed easily with all the different things that are going on sometimes in my life, and it helps me to focus on on what I need to focus on. Um, I, I read, of course, I read my Bible. I, I love music, um, so I, I spend a lot of time with praise and worship songs to help me recenter. Um, exercise, something as simple as just going, getting out and exercising, something as doing, you know, a hobby, um, creating something, uh, making a point to connect with another person um, that's important to you. All of these things are, you know, God's purpose and plan for you. Um, so how, how are you responding to that? And the last thing I want to uh, leave with you is that how are you helping yourself um, and others connect with God? Um, I, I think for me personally, like it's so funny when I was growing up um, in, in my early 20s, um, you know, the meaning of life for some reason, what is the meaning of life was kind of a question that people kept saying over and over and over again. And I thought it was kind of a funny question because at least as a Christian and as a believer, I felt like my meaning in life was to always point back to God. And I know that, again, that sounds so churchy, um, but at the same time, it kind of still fits, <laughs> you know, 20 years later, it still kind of fits. Um, and I meet a lot of different people who have either been burned by church, um, burned by family members that are super religious. I've been, I've met lots of people that, that sometimes just don't want to have anything to do with God. Um, and that can make things a little difficult. I'm not going to lie. But showing them kindness, showing them love, showing them mercy and grace, all the things that Jesus showed, showed this woman that nobody else would show is a point of showing, of, of getting people back into, um, you know, mirroring what Christ would have done with, for us. And hopefully maybe one day they might listen to the fact that, um, they might come visit the table <laughs> and meet all of you amazing people and um, feel encouraged and get connected. It would be awesome. So uh, I want to close with this one other uh, verse that I just want to send you off with this little reminder. Um, it's from Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. Um, it helps me to, rem to remember that I have a plan, and that God has a plan, and, and I personally have a purpose, and he uses me for those purposes. Um, I think for me right now is, to, is really to connect with other people, to help point them back in some way, shape, or form to God. And even if it's just showing people love, um, showing them mercy and compassion in places where it's really hard to do that, then that's what I need to do um, in the smallest ways. I think as church people, we are really good, really, really good about making meals and bringing them to people. <laughs> Um, it's or, or just helping people in that way. That's one of our biggest strengths as a church community. Um, but even something as simple as that, 
it speaks volumes for people. Um, so I, I want to encourage you to find that thing that God is calling you to do and connect into that. So I'm going to close this into a word of prayer. So Lord, um, thank you so much for, again, this opportunity just to uh, talk to my table family. Um, I just want to uh, encourage them, um, even though they may have had a, a very challenging week, um, especially maybe even the last several months have been very challenging, especially. Um, but Lord, you, you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Um, you know exactly where we are. You know what we need. Um, and you are so faithful to us. Help us to remember that. Help us to lean into that. Um, and then if at, whenever we can, show that to other people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.